helping families be happy. Well, welcome to the Helping Families Be Happy podcast, where we explore the often messy world of family, love, and relationships. I'm your host for this podcast, Christopher Robbins, the co-founder of Familius Publishing, husband, father of nine, author, fly fisherman, backpacker, and aspirational musician based in the Central Valley of California. We hope to bring you nourishing real-life information about love, family, relationships, and life. Now, I'm happy to introduce today's guest. Shelley Davidow is the award-winning author of 45 books, writing across genres. Recent titles include Shadow Sisters, Whisperings in the Blood, Playing with Words, and Fail Brilliantly. She is a full-time academic in the University of the Sunshine Coast in Queensland, Australia, where she teaches in the School of Education Australia and lives near the coast on a saltwater lake with her family. Now today we're focusing on an unusual book she published with Familias called Fail Brilliantly, Exploding the Myths of Failure and Success. So welcome Shelley, thanks for joining us. Thanks Christopher, it's lovely to be here. Now we might be interrupted I hear by some uh, wonderful uh, wildlife activity in your area. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've tried to keep the birds out. <laughs> the morning chorus of lorikeets can sometimes be deafening. Oh, that's great. Well, we're grateful you could join us. Now, first, in your, ded- your dedication in your book is kind of unusual. You don't dedicate it to a parent, partner, a friend, child, a mentor. Instead, you say, if you've ever felt like a failure, this book is for you. Help us understand, why would anyone want to fail brilliantly, and why did you choose that subject for a book? Well, that's really a great question. I think if there is anyone in the universe that we know of who has not experienced a failure of some sort, then um, please put up your hand, because I think as a human race, We all know what that feels like. And so I wanted to dedicate the book to every human being who reads it because I love people. You know, I'm an educator. I love children. And I feel that so often we beat ourselves up about things that we have no control over and we become our own worst enemies and we see ourselves as failures. And, um, and I want to talk about that a little bit more, but I wanted to dedicate the book to every one of us who has ever had to pick themselves up from the ground where they've fallen and move on, even when it seems really difficult. So I guess that is comprehensive. It's universal. It includes every one of us. So, um, you know, when we, it's, failure is interesting as, as we grow, it seems like we, we talk of failure in a different way than perhaps when we look at a child learning to walk. I don't think I've ever heard anyone say when they've watched, um, you know, I have nine children and we've watched them learn to walk and they, they stand up and they fall and they totter and they take their first steps. And we're so excited for them to take that adventure of, of learning to walk. But I've never heard anyone say when they fall, well, this child failed to walk. We always yeah. say they're learning to walk. So what happens to us that we go from, you know, learning to failing? Yeah, absolutely. 
I feel like it's got to do with the way we measure and quantify our lives. And that is not an old thing. We haven't always done that. So for example, the way we measure our success at school, you know, pass, fail, whatever, um, the way we measure our success in the world, financially, you know, successful, not successful, that sets up a paradigm for failure. Every time we court success, we invite the idea of failure. But the idea of personal failure didn't even enter the human lexicon until the 1800s. So, you know, we didn't have failure as a concept that attached itself to us. We had failure actually meant to not arrive at the destination that you planned to go to. So um, it wasn't about you're never going to get there and you're a loser. Whereas right now, um, <laughs> I think the word fail is one of the most used words on the internet. And I'm just interested about that because, um, and my interest comes from being a teacher for many, many years. So 20 years in the classroom and watching what happens to kids when we grade them and watching that sense of complete, like, dissolution like they don't know who they are if they get a bad grade and they feel like they're attached to that grade and it, it started to hurt me so much personal failure that we attach to everything we do in life is something that I wanted to grapple with and maybe shift if possible it's such a valuable valuable concept so you you, you brought this up about that failure the word failure didn't even enter the lexicon until the sounds like the 18th or 19th century so in your book, you bring up um, pre our prehistoric ancestors and even the neurobiology of failure. So those are some, maybe some heady topics for us when we just think about failure. Can you explain that for us? Yeah, can I simplify it? <laughs> I will. Let's, let's think of it this way. Our, um, our primate ancestors, if that is indeed true, that we have primate ancestors, let's think of a monkey um, in the jungle heading for a banana in the tree and then he's about to get the banana but a stronger bigger monkey comes in his way shoves him out of the way and gets the banana now the big monkey is going to survive because he's eaten that day and the monkey who got pushed out of the way is devastated not because he wanted the banana for its own sake but because not getting the banana is actually really putting his survival in jeopardy so um we're not much different as human beings. And so we need to survive. So that's a really basic human drive to survive. And we need to get things to survive. And at, you know, at this point in time, that happens to be money. So we need a certain amount of money to survive. Now, if that gets taken away from us, we, um, we feel like we have failed to survive and thrive. And that is, that's real. But what has happened, I believe, and this is my own, um, perception is that our desire, our primal desire for survival, which is a good one and a necessary one, has been hijacked by almost everything. So we, I mean, I lived in the States for 10 years and I just want to say I was, I was a soccer mom. So I took my kid to soccer every Saturday and I would see these like really aggressive parents who had the sort of same you know, life or death um, feeling about their kids winning the game, 
you know, as the ancient monkey trying to get the banana, it's like, you got to get that goal. You got to get it. Otherwise you're going to be a failure. You know, it's going to be like life or death if you win or lose. And, um, and I thought that was really interesting. And I thought that is a primal need for survival, which is a real thing, but now it's been hijacked by like, you know, the desire to win the soccer game or the desire to get stuff. And the reality is like, you know, the guy who dies with the most toys at the end of the life journey is not the winner. It's not like, you know, you get an award, like, hey, look at all that stuff you got. That's, that's ridiculous. And yet we live our lives as if, you know, the soccer game or, you know, getting that degree or getting that book published or, you know, winning that award, all of that becomes life or death. And then when we don't get what we want, which is so often beyond our control, then we feel like failures. So um, I just feel like that's not helpful for us as human beings. And that's why I'm so happy to be published with Familius because the ethos of, you know, helping families be happy, like let's look at failure and let's unpack it and maybe let's rethink what it means to fail. Okay, so let's get into that. So that's really helpful. So in your book, you mentioned first, second and third degree failures. So help us understand what are they and what do we need to be aware of? <laughs> All right. It's sort of like hurricane strength. Um, a first degree failure, in my view, would be an actual failure. So planes that do not arrive at their destinations. That's bad. Or, that's bad. Or, you know, a nuclear explosion or something happens that is absolutely irredeemable. Like you cannot get those people back and you can't undo that. And the only thing that you can get out of it is to try to learn what happened so that that doesn't happen again. So I would just call those like life ending disasters. And that's a real failure, first degree. And then the second degree of failure is the failure where you actually, as a human being, have an endeavor and you set out to do something, but you don't reach your destination. So for example, Apollo 13 sets out to go to the moon and they almost get there and then they don't. And so they come back. And so the mission to the moon is a failure, but it's actually an incredible success because they got back. Everyone's alive, miraculous. And so I would say that a second degree failure is the realm of human endeavor where we try to go and get something, but we end up with an unexpected outcome, but nobody dies and nobody gets hurt. All right. So, um, so that's the, the failure of the second degree. And I think that is what is so much of our lives are made up of second degree failures. And I would like to change that wording to call those unexpected or unanticipated or even unwanted outcomes. That's all they are. And then the, the whole idea of failure dissolves. And then the third degree failures are the ones that I think we should completely eliminate because those are the ones that we actually make. So I decide that a pass mark is 50% and that if you get 49%, you are a failure. And so, so we decide as human beings what, it, what constitutes failure or success. Or I decide that when I've made a million dollars, I'm a success. And before that, I'm not. And all of those things cause us a lot of anguish and pain because we set ourselves these measures of success and I'm not talking about setting goals or aiming for the moon. There's nothing wrong with that. But if you don't get there, 
why are you a failure? And then if you make, if you draw the line in the sand and say, you know, this is what it means to be successful, um, you know, why don't you just redraw the line or don't even have a line? <laughs> so, um, you know, I think there's something about a couple of years ago, they did a Gallup poll in America to see, you know, how much money do you need to be happy? And are you happier the richer you are? Because of course, everyone's chasing money. And they found, and this was a while ago, so it's probably a little bit more now, but $75,000 a year. So enough to just live, be comfortable, you know, pay medical bills, do that kind of thing, um, gives you the greatest amount of happiness. And after that, the happiness index does not go up. So the billionaire or the zillionaire is not happier than the person making, you know, between 75 and 100,000. And that is really interesting because, you know, we draw these lines for ourselves, third degree failures. Um, I reckon we need to dissolve that idea completely and just think about, you know, life is a journey and sometimes you get to the destination and sometimes you get to another destination. So let's make it personal for you. Um, yeah. So you're in academia, right? Yeah. So do you have students? Yes, I do. So how do you grade them? Yes. And so here's the, here's the terrible situation is that because I'm at the university, they have to get a grade point average. So what I do in my classroom is they have to do a quiz, right? And so I flip the quiz and I give the quiz to the students and I say, you are going to design each person, each group is going to design a quiz question and you'll give them to me and I will select the best quiz questions and I will give you your quiz questions back. So they read the material for the quiz, but not to take the quiz, not to be um, passive takers of the quiz, but to be active makers of the quiz. And they say that that takes all the stress away and we make sure that the questions are good and challenging and they get to see all the questions and then I take them away and I select the best ones. And what's interesting is they do do well, but they don't all get a hundred percent, but they don't feel stressed and they love it. They say, you know, the emphasis is on the process, not so much the product. And so that's what I've done at university. So we have to give a grade, but I get the students to make the quiz that gives them the grade. So, so you, you found a way to kind of compromise. <laughs> yes, <laughs> that's I, one I, assessment piece. <laughs> yes, and I understand we have to work within the structure in which we are. Yeah. So I, um, I read about a professor once who um, would give a test or a quiz. And if any, and there must have been some time frame, but he, he said that if, if someone was not happy with their grade, they could come back, he could, they could retake it. And they could yeah. retake it as many times as they wanted because his interest was not in the grade. He was, his interest was in their ability to learn the concepts. Brilliant. Yeah, that, that was, now it wasn't about fail. It was about, am I learning? Am I learning yeah. what they're teaching me? Yeah, well, okay. exactly. So I think that's a really interesting way of approaching this word failure, which in some ways should just be excised from our lexicon because what we're really doing is, is learning, we're experiencing. So yeah. let's talk about, you brought up Apollo 13, which is, you know, had some unique um, successes um, compared to the fact that they did, they did not reach their destination. Are yeah. there other stories 
of what we call failure that turned into successes that have may have helped the human race. Yes, absolutely. And there are a few that um, they, you know, people aim to succeed and then they do, but they first fail. So one example of that is the author Marcus Suzak, who wrote the book Thief, which is you know international bestseller movie. It's just it, it went off the charts several years ago. And when you listen to him speak, he says he failed a thousand times. He wrote thousands and thousands of pages. He wrote, you know, his narrator in that story is death. And he said at first death was like this grim reaper, like we think of, you know, the classical death metaphor. And he said it didn't work. And he tried and tried and tried. And one day he woke up and he decided um, that death would be a vulnerable narrator who didn't like his job. <laughs> and suddenly he had the book. And so out of many, many failures came this success, which he hasn't been able to equal since. And that is kind of an example of, you know, trying and trying again until you get what you want. And I think we have to be aware that while we're heading towards a goal, if we blind ourselves to the accidental pathways that may lead to somewhere unique, um, we really might miss out on a whole lot. It's like if you're going on a road trip and you're only set on getting to the end, you know, there might be such incredible stuff that you find if you just wait a little bit, go down a side path or just watch the road carefully. Um, yeah, there, there, are, there was Shackleton's voyage to Antarctica where you know, they absolutely were trying to reach the South Pole and they never got there. But every single person got back alive and the lessons that were learned were so valuable because it's all about endurance. And again, the triumph of the human spirit over incredible adversity. So I think those things are worth bearing in mind that first of all, you might get to your goal, but it might be a long time. And if you don't, there might be side things along the way that are real gifts and that may help you or other people. So maybe those have been, you know, three great examples. And I love um, Endurance and Shackleton's Voyage. It's, it's an, if, if our listeners have never, have never um, watched a documentary on Shackleton or read the biographies of Shackleton, uh, it's absolutely worth your time. It's, it's a, an unbelievable story. Um, so it sounds like we need to, embrace the idea of, of while, we're, while we're trying to achieve something, which is a destination, right? We, we have goals. We want to have our company succeed and we define that in some way. And those are, we call them stretch goals in business. Or we want to, we want to get a certain degree or we want to learn to fly an airplane. Um, what I'm hearing is that, that we need to really focus on what we're learning and experiencing as we're on that journey because we might not get there in the time frame we want to sometimes we might not even get there it might be like oakland there's not even even a there there but we but we are we're experiencing something learning something and that has that has tremendous value to ourselves and to others that's exactly it christopher I think you, you're, so, you're so right about saying, you know, how maybe there isn't even there because when you reach there, does it feel like you're there? So for example, when I was a young unpublished author, there was just getting a book published. 
that's it. I was like, when I get a book published, I'm there. But then I got the book published and then it's like, oh, okay, well, now I want another book published or now I want this one to actually succeed or now this matters in a different way. And so there just moved. It moved a whole stretch ahead and, and it kept doing it. And so now, you know, 45 books later and I'm still not there. So I don't think there exists anymore. And I think all we have is here <laughs> and now. And if we don't make the most of here and now, um, I think life can be um, so much poorer than if we can be here and now. So I think that's also a really important thing that the moment is so important. And those, those delicious moments where you're almost there or, or where you dream of being there, they, they're lovely and we should live in them. And then if you don't get there, so what? And it, as long as it's not a first degree failure, um, like embrace the unexpected outcomes because there isn't anywhere maybe. <laughs> but brilliant. So let's, let's try to wrap this up in this idea of it, what, what can you say to us or what would you say to, what would you say to society in general to change the narrative of failure? Stop looking at life as a race with a finish line and start embracing it as a journey and savor the moments and smell the wildflowers because it's probably all we've ever going to get. <laughs> Great. Well, Shelly, thank you so much for being with us today. It's always a pleasure to share time with you. Now, where can our guests find you online? You can find me at ShellyDavido.com. And there's an email contact there. So if people want to get in touch, they can just fill in a form. And obviously through Familius, right, through your website. Yes, at Familius.com. As we conclude today's podcast, I'd like to thank Familius Publishing for their support in bringing this podcast to your ears and your heart. We'd be thrilled if you subscribe to the podcast and left us a review on iTunes and social media. And when you're ready for that next amazing book adventure, we'd be honored if you chose a book from Familius Publishing. One step at a time, we can make the world a happier place. We talk together, learn together, play, work, eat together, we laugh together.